have a Bible today, let's open up to Psalms chapter 41. And my wife told me to bump it up today because people are tired and they've been working all day. And I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to try. <laughs> no. A um, couple of uh, Psalms. Uh, actually, we're going to try to get through three of them today. But one of them only has five verses, so you don't have to sweat or panic. But um, Psalm 41 is a, is a psalm. Uh, it's interesting how the, just the different experiences that David goes through. Now, now we're not 100% sure on the background to this. So the cool thing about not knowing for sure is that you can apply it to whatever you're going through in life. And in one sense, this psalm is a psalm where uh, you feel, maybe you feel betrayed. And we're going to see that David is going through that at this time of his life. More than likely, it's when, uh, you guys remember, uh, Absalom uh, committed mutiny and uh, it's his own son coming against him. Imagine how difficult that would be. And so uh, and not only is his son coming against him, but we believe, a lot of people believe that it was so bad, the stress got to him so much that it began to, he began to suffer physically as a result of that. You know, and sometimes that happens, you know, where you're going through stress, you know, situations, and because of the way that we're trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit, that, you know, the stress even begins to affect you physically, and more than likely, this is what happened with David during this time, some season where he was on the run from Absalom, and he was sick, and, and it was just a tough time for him. And then even the next psalm we're going to see, the first psalm we'll look at when you feel betrayed, the second psalm we'll look at, and the third is when you feel distant from God. And I think sometimes, you know, we go through those seasons where we feel like we're far or maybe we have been, and so hopefully God is able to minister to us in these two psalms. And so Psalm 41, to the chief musician, it's a psalm of David. This is blessed is he who considers the poor. The, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. I like that. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of illness, on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. And so I'm pretty sure. Here that David in this psalm is looking to his past consideration of the poor. And, and he's kind of saying to the Lord, you know, I've been kind to people who are down and out. You know, you, you see someone, they're going through a predicament. It's a very difficult situation. And David said, I've been considerate to, to them. Lord, will you now be considerate to me? You know, and again, it might be referring to literally the poor financially, but more than likely refers to those who are, you know, poor in the sense that they're hurting, man. They're helpless or, you know, they're those who are you're getting beat up by the enemy or they're just down and out in life, you know. I don't know if you've ever come across those people, you know, and they're just, man, they, they're almost like uh, abandoned. They're helpless. You were there for them. You were there for them in their difficulty David says, in one sense, what he's saying is, Lord, that was me. I was considerate of this individual when they were going through this difficult situation. And so, Lord, because of that, I think what he's saying is, Lord, will you be considerate of me now as I'm going through this challenge that I'm going through? 
I mean, David here says that those who have considered the poor when their day comes, because the truth is that, you know, we're going to all be there one day. You know, David says, he who has been considered of the poor will be preserved by the Lord, is what he says, delivered by the Lord, blessed on, on planet earth, not defeated by the enemy. He's helped, he's healed, he's strengthened, he's sustained, you know, even on his sickbed, you know, you notice that, there, in, in verse 3, the Lord will strengthen him on his, on his bed of illness. And, you know, literally in the, in, the, in the Hebrew language he's talking about is you got this guy, he's there on the bed and he's sick and you have a nurse who comes over and turns him over. You know, taking care of him there on his bed, nursing him to a place where he would be healed. That's what he's saying. Lord, that's what you do to those who are considered of the poor. When I'm there in that day, one day I'll be there too. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you know, I might be you know, someone who's blown it or I might be someone who's going through things that are devastating in life. Lord, then, then I know that you'll help me. And that's kind of how it works. That's what he's saying. And, and apparently this is where David was. He was in this, in this sickbed you know, situation. Because look what he says in, in verse 4. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, you know, he tells it. And I always tell people, you know, whenever you're going through difficulties, the, the devil, let me tell you, he's going to capitalize on it. You know, he's going to put thoughts in your mind or he's going to bring, you know, people who you thought were your friends and end up being your frenemies, you know, that kind of thing. That's what's going on here. Once again, David here, it says, is, was suffering um, because of his sin. Look at verse 4. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Now, the interesting thing, when you study the story of David and Absalom, you know, you guys remember that um, that particular situation wasn't something where David had blown it in, but he had blown it earlier when he sinned and fell, right, with Bathsheba. And so as a result of that, you know, then his uh, daughter gets raped by his other son, their, their half-siblings, and, and then, then the other son, you know, kills him, and then Absalom leaves, and... And then you guys remember Absalom returns and then, and then Absalom rebels. And so in, in one sense, even though it's not like, you know, explicitly they're connected, it's still connected. And so David says, at the end of the day, I'm in the situation that I'm in because I've sinned. Later on, he's going to say in the same psalm that he's holding to his integrity because he had reached a point where he was walking with the Lord, but he still connects it with something that he did many years ago. And so he's in this situation suffering once again, in verse 4, because of his sin. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. And that's what you got to pray when you fall and you got to pray for mercy. Heal my soul for I have sinned against you. You know, he asked for mercy and in healing, and it wasn't just healing for his body, although I believe that's part of what he was asking for. It was healing for his soul. And I tell you what, man, that's the one that you want to ask for. You want to ask for healing for your soul because, 
if you die, you know, physically, it's not as bad as if you die spiritually. Because if you die without Jesus, then you go to hell. You know, and so I don't know, you know, there's also this emotional part of it where his heart is broken. He's asking God to heal him there. You know, but this is, you know, something that I, I think we need to, to pray for. Here he's sick, he's suffering, not only on the outside, but also on the inside. He's dying inside. You know, and a lot of times that's our problem. You know, we're, we're, we're sick, we're suffering on the inside. I'm sure all of you have been there at one time or another. If you're not there right now, it's okay. One day you will be. <laughs> you know, because our heart gets hurt. We get, you know, in these places where we need him to heal us on the inside. And if you've ever been there, I'm so glad to know that God is always there for you. He's able to heal us on the inside, our suffering souls, our, our broken hearts. I mean, but, but understand that, that only he can. That no one else, nothing else can, but Jesus can. Jesus can heal us on the inside. He can heal our soul. You know, sometimes we look at an individual and we wonder, well, why, how do they got it all together? It seems like they're healthy emotionally, you know, and not just physically, but emotionally healthy and stable and consistent and, you know, and spiritually. How does that happen? It's because Jesus touched them and they let Jesus touch them. They acknowledged their sin. They asked for mercy. God came into their life and God gave them strength and God can do that. He can heal the, the brokenhearted. The Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, that's why it's so cool to see when people seek the Lord because he is able to do that. Here we see David going through this and his uh, troubles are doubled because his friends uh, began to come in and they visited him. Notice there in verse 5, when my enemies speak evil of me, when will he die and his name perish? I mean, they just wanted him to die, some of these guys, and if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. And, And what we see going on right here is this, you know, one of the things about the friends of God is we are going to have enemies. We're going to have people who who say things about us, who want us to go away, who want us to disappear, who want us to die. Why? Because you're God's child. You're God's instrument. And so, of course, we're going to have enemies. David, unfortunately, when we read the Psalms, he experienced it frequently, right? In verse 5, we see that his enemies spoke evil of him. Uh, and that might refer to a lie. We also see that they wanted him to die, right? Uh, and, and verse 6 is an interesting verse. The NIV puts it this way. When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it around. And so it's difficult enough going through the heartache that we go through in life and, you know, uh, the, because a lot of times of the sins that we've committed and, you know, uh, he's sick and you're going through hard times, but then the enemy comes and sometimes people tart, start talking smack about you. And, and a lot of times what, what can happen in situations like that is, is people just, they just crumble. They just, they just fade away. They fall away. They walk away. I'm not going to seek God anymore. I mean, because why should I? And, and David could have done that numerous times. But he never gave up. 
And we have to maintain, you know, that same heart. You know, notice in, in verse 7, this is all who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. An evil, disease, they, they, an evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. You know, it, it's so sad to read that people hated him. We, we see that there in verse 7, that people were plotting on how they could hurt him. You know, we read there in verse 8 about what they were calling, and notice it says in verse 8, an evil disease. Literally in the Hebrew language, the word right there, it speaks of a, a thing of Belial. And Belial was a name used, it was a proper name for Satan. And so they were saying this uh, about, you know, David. And, and then, you know, we have that heartbreaking passage there in verse 9 you know, even my own familiar friend in whom I, I trusted who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. You know, and uh, it's so sad, you know, because you're breaking bread with these people, man. You're, you know, you're, you're working together, you know, you're rubbing elbows, man. You're loving, you're encouraging, and there they are talking smack about you behind your back. Why not just say it to my face? You know, but because what ends up happening is is the devil plants seeds of discord in such a subtle way. You know, and there's different ways to betray a person. I mean, you can be like Judas. This right here is a reference to Judas. It's a prophecy prophecy described in John chapter 13, verse 18, when Jesus is talking about someone that's going to betray him. I mean, he just said straight out that the scriptures might be fulfilled, spoken in the Psalms, that this guy right here, who we, we were friends we used to break bread together, and he betrayed us, and it happens. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen wolves, and it's like, man, you know, why? Why does this have to happen? You know, we were going through a study the other day in the Proverbs chapter 7, and when you guys get a chance, you read Proverbs, and you have the immoral woman, and you have the guy who's uh, simple. He's a simple guy. He's simple, meaning he's open-minded. He's so open-minded that his brain falls out. I mean, this guy's really dumb, right? And so you have some people like that in the church, you know. They, they, um, they just they stumble, they fall, right? And, and, and then they, 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 you know, but that's not really them. I mean, God's going to work. We all stumble. We all fall sometimes. But then you have some with eyes wide open, man, premeditated wolves. That's who Judas was. And what David's talking about right here is just heartbreaking. When we used to eat together, we used to serve together, we took sweet counsel together. And this guy right here has lifted up his heel against me. That's a horse kick. I mean, boom. And, and, and you know, we're going to probably all experience a Judas in our life, unfortunately, because... You know, we live in, in a fallen world, right? I mean, it, it's one thing if it's a foe, but it's quite another thing when it's a friend. You know, if you're ever there, and like I said, the truth is, we'll all probably be there one day in our lives where we have a Judas, where someone does something to us that we just can't believe that they would do this to me. I want you to know Jesus knows how you feel. 
Because for three years, he poured into this guy and he, he, he sustained him and he ordained him and, and he even used him. And I mean, he just loved him. He loved him. But what did Judas do? Well, things are not happening according to, you know, what I want. You know, I want to overthrow the, the Roman government and Jesus seems to be going a different direction and I want some money and it just doesn't seem to be happening right here. And so... You know, he opened his heart to the devil. And Satan entered him, and he was betrayed. And we, we, we will experience that sometimes. You know, it, it happens to the best of them. But, but as it does, understand Jesus knows how you feel. And he'll be able to minister to you. You know, Job was there as well in, in Job 19, verse 19. You guys remember his miserable comforters? <laughs> you know, uh, all his close friends uh, says, Abhor me, and those whom I have loved have, have turned against me. Again, this is a tough one because here's something that's interesting. And again, a lot of you guys know the story. And if you don't know the story tonight, your homework assignment is to read 2 Samuel. Uh, chapters 16 and 17, okay? Because I know you just love the word, right? But, but a lot of you know the story, and you guys remember, like I said earlier, Absalom, this son, rebels against his father, the king. You know, he's coming you know, to Jerusalem, and the word gets to David, and David says, I'm going to flee, and he runs away, and David's over there. Here's the thing that, that, that da- David's mentality was, it's not Absalom. I'm not going to pin this on Absalom. It was Ahithophel. It was my counselor that got to my son and messed him up. You know, and I don't know, we know as a family, we might have a tendency to protect our children or try to see things that way. But, but here, I think in one sense, that's probably what happened. Ahithophel, that guy was brilliant, I mean, his word, the Bible says it was like the word of God. I mean, it's just so amazing. But he got to Absalom, and now David sees Ahithophel as his enemy. And an interesting thing, I mean, the way that it all tied together, because uh, Ahithophel was uh, Bathsheba's. I don't know if it was a dad, granddad, one of those. So I'll have to look it up later. But, you know, that, that the sin... A lot of times it comes back to bite you, huh? And so this is what's going on here. David's going through some hard times. But, but one of my favorite patches, passages in the entire Bible tells us what to do during those hard times. I mean, here's, here's David. And, and you notice, if you look at this right here, did you guys notice how he's just pouring out his heart to God? I mean, this is how I feel, Lord. And, and it's good to do that. This is how I feel, Lord. But notice what, what he does next is he, he prays. Psalm 109 in verse 4, it says, In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. And that's what we read in, in verse 10. He says, But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By, by this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Here's something that I want to encourage you guys in. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you're a blood-bought, bona fide believer 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you're a Christian, and, and you know the Lord knows those who are his, and you're going to have an inner witness, and you're going to have an outer witness. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the Lord. You know, and you believe in Jesus, and you know he's your righteousness, and you're his son, and you're abiding in him, and you're, you know, you're, there's, the, there's that assurance that you have. If you're a Christian, and understand, you know, the, the, the battles, you may lose some battles along the way, but the war is won. And that's what David says right here. I mean, as he's praying for mercy, Lord, you know, raise me up. It's interesting. We should emulate David in verse 10. But you, O Lord, be merciful to to me. So it's okay to pray that prayer uh, and raise me up. It's okay to pray that prayer that I may repay them. It's not okay to pray that prayer. (laughs) Lord, make me better so I can go and sock them and so I can get them. You know, and that's what we call an imprecatory psalm. And it's not okay to do that. And David, you know, he's just being honest, I think. But at the same time, we got to know that that's not really what God wants. As a matter of fact, interesting passage, Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so you don't have to go get them. You know, as a matter of fact, if you don't go get them, then that frees God to go get them. I, I, sometimes I pray that, Lord, will you get this guy? But then I catch myself. I can't, you know, Lord, you're going to do a better job than I will. And if I go in there and I slap him around, or if I go in there and I try to make it, you know, even Stephen or fight fire with fire, then I actually hinder the work that you want to do. So, you know, David here, just being honest, but we have New Testament light. Jesus told us to love our enemies and pray for them, Right? And so here we see, though, that in God's mercy, we experience victory. Again, verse 11, by this I know that you are well pleased with me because my, my enemy, he does not triumph over me. He doesn't. You're a Christian. You've given your life to the Lord. You can't be cursed. You understand that? You remember, remember Balaam tried to curse the children of God and God said it just can't happen. I mean, it can't. Balak hired him to curse. Okay, well, take me up on that mountain. Maybe from this perspective I can get him. Or maybe from behind the back. Or maybe that angle. No. You, you know, we know we're, we're his. We're well-pleasing to him because at the end of the day, we're going to see that our, our enemy cannot triumph over us. But you've got you to gotta fight. Like I said, you know, you don't want to lose these battles. Thank God we, we won the war but we still fight. You know, we fight from victory, not for victory, because the victory was already given to us on the cross. We have the victory. And that's what David is saying here. You know, we have that, that victory. Um, it, it's hard to fathom sometimes, but we need to know that, that even though we lose battles along the way, because we're his kids, we, we win in the end. And, and David knew God was not only pleased with him, but well pleased with him. Why? Because his enemies could not win. One day, we're going to be able to say the same thing. And I kind of, sometimes I wish I could bypass all the craziness that we go through on earth, but it all has a purpose. All the hard times that you're going through right now, God's preparing you for something in heaven. 
Did you know that? It's not just, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get... No, we're learning all these things along the way and none of it will be wasted. Not only will God use it on earth, he's going to use it in the millennial kingdom and he's going to use it in heaven too. You know, but sometimes I must confess, I wish I could just fast forward, get past all this stuff and go there, right? And because in the end, I know this. I mean, I pray that we all have this heart that I will follow Jesus Christ every day of my life. I will get up in the morning. I will seek him. I will give him every single day. I will cling to my cross for the rest of my life. And then one day when our life is over, when God raptures us out, you know, we're going to be able to say the same thing that, that Joshua said. In Joshua 21 verse 44, it says, The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. See, and that's what we have. You know, you guys remember um, Romans. Let's turn there real quick. Romans chapter 8. I'm trying to move you guys around, you know. Get your eyes on this awesome passage. Remember Romans 8 and verse 31? It says, what then shall we say to these things? What things? All the, the crazy battles in life, you know? What shall we say to these things? It, here's the question. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Think about that. Right now, as we're here, Jesus is there making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Sometimes life feels that way. I mean, I f- we feel that way. I mean, I'm dead. I'm dead inside. Or I, I feel like a-, a slaughtered saint. We go through the crazy things of life. I was talking to someone the other day, and just my heart going out to them. And I just said, you know, as a church, I wish we could just... Pre- protect you from all the bad stuff. All the bad stuff that we experience. We can't though. But I want you to know this, that we'll do our best to be there for you during the bad stuff. And just knowing that Romans 8, 28 says God will work even the bad stuff, that when you isolate them, he works all things together for good. But sometimes we feel like this. But it's because we're Christians, you know, for his sake. We're, we're these sheep, you know, that experience these slaughter. But notice in verse seven, 37, yet in all these things. You've got to circle the word in. In this, in all these things, we are not just conquerors, but more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, and, and so... We're, we win, you know, we're, we, we have this triumph even over the enemies, you know, and it doesn't mean that life goes according to your ways. Remember, the Bible says his ways are higher. 
As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his ways towards us. I mean, his mercy towards us. I mean, so much grander, so much you know, bigger than we would have ever thought. But, you know, I always tell you guys, and there's a reason, man, that there's a pain. Wherever there's pain, there's always a purpose. You know, and, and sometimes what ends up happening is we go and we don't understand, but Paul right here, he's writing this important passage and he says in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, and such a beautiful passage. You know, for us understanding that, you know, we go through life and, 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 and one thing, I remember reading a book a long time ago and it said, let me make two points. Let me make two points. Number one, God's sovereign. God is sovereign. There's nothing that it slips by him that he wasn't aware of or he didn't allow. God's sovereign. Number two, God loves you. God loves you. And so you know what the name of the book was? Trusting God. Because when you realize that God is sovereign over everything and that God is loving in such a way where he would send his son to die for you, then you finally come to that place where no matter what, I trust you. And that's where where David was. We're over here in this place and he says, you know, because my enemy does not triumph over me. I mean, it's so cool. You know, never will the enemy triumph over us. And so we read in verse 13 this expression of praise that, that closes the first book of the Psalms. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. And you guys know that the book of Psalms, 150 chapters, is divided up into five books. This closes the first book. And what we find is that each book, and they say it parallels the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible. Uh, Each one of them ends with a doxology like this. Uh, More than likely, it was Ezra who put all the Psalms together and uh, what we find is pretty interesting because even now as we go into the second book, um, it, it, it's probably talking about the same thing. Again, we're not sure, but, but notice what we read in Psalm 42, one of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. It's to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and, and appear before God? My, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? Commentators, F.B. Myers, one of them, he believes that this also was written during the time that David was fleeing from Absalom. And we're not 100% sure. Some people say it was as long as three years. We don't know for sure. But imagine, you know, being apart from the temple, you know, the the tabernacle uh, for three years. And so as he's there, um, we see now the sons of Korah, they're writing this song, but they're they're writing about the same thing. I mean, David, 
here, maybe even gave them this psalm. But we read there in verse 1 that as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And it's interesting because the deer, you know, um, you know, you can picture it, you know, out there, you know, running around like crazy, not able to find water, um, and then, you know, just longing for it. That's what the Hebrew word means, uh, thirsting for it. It, it, it. You know, it, it eventually finds the water. And the, the Christians, when they began to get persecuted in the early years, you go down into the catacombs where they, they, where they would hide. Sometimes they would have their services there in these uh, cemeteries, man. And in the, in the Roman catacombs, you have all their heroes that are, that are, are, are painted on the walls But you know what the Christians painted on the walls of the catacombs? They painted deers. Because they wanted that. They wanted to go back to that place where they could be out there in in public fellowship and praise again. And they would refer to this psalm. You know, because it was was a picture of, of them and their thirst for God. Their thirst for God. You know, and that could be you not in church for a long time. It might even be you. You're here every week. And something's not right. You're not really, you're not experiencing that. You're not, you know, your thirst is, is not being quenched. For some reason, there doesn't seem to be a connection. You know, when you first got saved, it was amazing what God has done. And I'm not talking about the difference between walking by feelings and faith. I'm just talking about you know, we know about the fact that we have a relationship with God. And you could go years. You could go through the motions for years. And deep inside, you're panting, you're longing for the Lord. You know, David wrote about this in Psalm 63, verse 1. It was a psalm when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He said, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You know, and I don't know for sure how it works for you. Some of you here, maybe you drink soda. Um, Maybe you think you're cool and you drink Kool-Aid. I don't know, you know, where you're at. You know, coffee, they say, actually dehydrates you. So I think something like that is not good for you. So, you know, when you're really, really thirsty on a hot, hot day, nothing like just a nice cold glass of water, so to speak. The other things, they don't quench your thirst. You know, and maybe you've been trying to feel that, you know, you're hungering for something. It just doesn't feel right. You're kind of like antsy and moving around and you're just not, you know, this isn't happening and, and the answer is because you, you can only quench your thirst with, with God himself, right? And that's what David was saying. There's a, I'm in this land and there's no, there's no water. Psalm 84 verse 2, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You know, Psalm 143, verse 6, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Selah. You know, can I just share this with you? And I think you guys know this, or, you know, I think you know this, but if you want God, I mean, if you draw near to God, 
he will draw near to you. Sometimes there's sin in our life, and it's okay. God will show you the sin, and you begin to get rid of it. You begin to clean house. You begin to just, I'm going to seek God. Well, I, I understand you want to seek God. I understand you said you want to seek God, but, you know, that's got to go. You know, I understand you want to seek God, but you know what? Have you ever thought about maybe, just maybe getting down on your knees and praying to him like you really mean it? Like you read your Bible, and it's not just going through the motions and you checked it off for the day, but you're like, Lord, speak to me. Speak, your servant listens. I'm hearing. I mean, I know that if we seek God with all our heart, the promise is, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, this is, what, this is where David was. I'm, I'm thirsty, Lord. I'm, I'm hungry, Lord. Notice what we read in in verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and, and appear before God? Notice what he's been, you know, his diet has been. In verse 3, my tears. My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they continually say to me, where is your God? You know, Shimei cursed David on the way out. Where's your God? All right, and people will say that to us, and we're going through hard times, and they may not say it, or they may not articulate it, but they're thinking it. A lot of times those non-believers are, you're a Christian, and this is what's going on in your life? Where's your God? And you know they're thinking it. Sometimes they say it, and it's just heartbreaking. I mean, imagine your food day and night. Have you ever been there? Day and night is tears. Imagine that. This is where David was. Notice in verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. I remember those days. You know, and... I want to encourage you to cultivate this. I mean, sometimes when you first get saved, and I don't know how it is for you guys, but sometimes when you first get saved, there's this honeymoon period, there's this time, and I don't know, there's nothing like it. You know, but then it fades away, and next thing you know, we kind of know the cliches, and we know the routines, and, you know, we have our habits, and, 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 man, I, I, just, I just encourage you, be careful that it doesn't just settle down into some superficial, you know, thing, religion. No, David here knew what he was longing for. I want to go back to that place of fellowship with God and fellowship with the people of God. I want to go back to that place of joy and praise. He remembers it. And then... What ends up happening here is he's going through all these hard times. Then he starts getting a little, um, what's the word? Is it, would you describe yourself weird if you talk to yourself? <laughs> no, it's not weird. Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. 
Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the, the hill of Mizar. It's almost like you couldn't be any further. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. You know, and it's interesting. um, Verse 5 is kind of like the spirit rebuking the flesh. He's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Time out right here. Time out for a second. And he's going to try to kind of lift himself up. Why are you down? Why are you disquieted? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? Why are you distant? Why? It's like he's kind of like trying to talk himself out of it. The spirit knows better, right? But the flesh is weak. And there's that huge word in in verse 5. You just can never lose that word hope. Hope in God. There's David. He's out there. He's miles away. But he knows there's still hope, man. We can come back. One day I'll be back in Jerusalem praising God with the people. I mean, you guys know this very well, don't you? David was a worship leader. He was a worship leader. And he said, I want to go back. Right now, the enemy, you know, he's got me down and thinking that it'll never happen again. You know, he's talking about how, I love, you know, verse 8, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And, and, and you know, there's different ways of looking at this. You know, I was reading it with the, the guys earlier and it's kind of cool. You know, one way of looking at it is like, you know, in, in the day, it, it's kind of easy to see the love, you know, when things are going well, you know, and maybe in one sense, you're like, oh yeah, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. But then the night, in the night, you're like, God, I thought you loved me. No, there, there's, he's doing a work. It says right there, and in the night, his song shall be with me. Now it's interesting because before, it was my song towards him. F.B. Meyer talks now about his song towards us. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, and it says, He will sing. God will sing over you. Imagine that, how awesome that is, how, how amazing that is. You know, during the day, things are going good. We're praising God, we're singing. But then to think that he would be singing, that night is necessary. Weeping endures for a night, but joy, it comes in the morning. I mean, I love that how he, you know, has to encourage himself, and David had to do this so many times. Sometimes, you know, you have to just talk to yourself, and, and, and I love, though, it's not just talking to yourself. It's also, in verse 8, is a prayer. Notice, and I love what it is, to the God of my life. I've always loved that phrase. I mean, he's the God of my life. And he knew you before you were born. 
Before you were born, he ordained you as a prophet. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's fed you. He sustained you all the days of your life. And yeah, some things we don't understand, but understand they've all been filtered through his hands of sovereign love. And, and if he's allowed it to come, you know, don't lose heart. But you gotta, you got to stay focused because he really is the God of your life. Notice in verse 9, he says, I will, I will say to God my rock, you know, why have you forgotten me? Again, one thing about David, he's, he's always honest. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones? My enemies reproach me. Well, they say to me, there it is again, all day long, where is your God? And it's almost like when you read the psalm, there's, again, I don't want to, you know, say, you know, think something that we're not 100% sure of, but just something to think about. Some of the guys were talking about how David goes up and down. And all around. And sometimes our emotions are like that, you know. One moment we're doing good, next moment we're back where we started. But God doesn't give up. Notice what we read right here. It says in in verse 11, again, he repeats it because it's so important. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. So Psalm 43, it it kind of goes with it. Notice in verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. It's interesting, again, how all these psalms, they kind of go together because, again, it was the nation of Israel that was coming against David. I mean, in one sense, you know, now you kind of have a nation divided, but, you know, the, the, you know, his son Absalom, he has the, you know, the army, you know, most of the army on his side. And so, I mean, he's, he's got some pretty big enemies. The nation and his Ahithophel probably is the one that he's focused most on Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. You know, when I read verse 3, for us as Christians, can't help but think of the Bible, huh? You know, send your word. And, and I know you guys know this, but when you're going through hard times, there's nothing like the word of God to strengthen you, huh? Well, Lord, send it. Give it to me. Give me light. Give me truth. Lord, let them lead me. Let them bring me to where? To your holy hill. What's that? That's the presence of God. Right? And that's where we want to be. We penetrate the veil. When Jesus died on the cross, it was torn in two. So now we can go there to your tabernacle. He, he wants to go home where he belongs. And I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And on the harp, there he is. The harp in the Hebrew language, it refers to the guitar. No, I'm just joking. You know, you know guys, he says, I want to do that. I will praise you. Oh God, my God. And so then he says it again. And you know, when God says something three times in the Bible... You know, because remember back then they didn't have copy and paste. 
He really wants us to understand this. And this is what he wants us to do by the Spirit. Rebuke the flesh. It's okay to talk to yourself and basically say, you know what, I know it hurts, I know it's a struggle, but there's no reason to stay down. And it's not because of anyone else. Not because, well, they're going to come through for me or this situation is going to kind of get ironed out one day. It's got nothing to do with that. Because if you anchor your joy to anyone other than God, then you're going to be a roller coaster for the rest of your life. Why, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. And no one else. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. Amen? I pray we would do that.